We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky. Well, still kind of uh, curmudgeon John Lekomsky. And I have right here, well, not next to me at all, no, in some distant place. I don't, where are you even at at this point, Matt? I am, uh, I've been in the home office uh, for our previous recordings, but now I am in my uh, study, my office at Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. Um, but but happy to be starting to get back to normal. So thankful for that. And, and you didn't tell us who you are. I am Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. I am not in a curmudgeon mood at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got some comments about that. I got comments. A couple people oh, commented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, boy, Pastor Jolly John was not jolly. He wasn't a bad <laughs> <laughs> so people are taking notice, and it's it's good that people are listening. And uh, you know, I think people are concerned, John. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and here here's the thing. Here's why I've, I'm not out of that mood yet. I found out. Oh, by the way, you still did. Oh, yeah, you did tell. We what we didn't tell them is what this is. This is. Oh yeah, wrestling, wrestling with, with the basics. With the basics. <laughs> um, so it turns out it's not curmudgeon. Oh that yeah, that is not how you pronounce it. It's curmudgeon. <laughs> And of course, when you find out that on national radio, you have mispronounced a word, that just makes you feel all the more curmudgeonly. (laughs) (laughs) Did Lynn save you on that one? Did Lynn save your bacon? No, no. I was actually, ironically, I was actually listening to a a recording of C.S. Lewis's uh, Surprise by Joy. And, and that word was used on the recording. I realized, oh my, I've been pronouncing that all along incorrectly. So yes, that's just for everyone who is cringing at that. Yes, it's curmudgeon, not crumudgeon. So, um, and, and you know, I'm still kind of curmudgeonly because of this whole. Are, are you wearing a mask at this point, Matt? I hope. I hope that. You are. Are you wearing a mask? As we're recording, no, I am not wearing a mask. I am. Oh man, with door closed by myself, so I think it's safe. So when I get done, I'm going to have to wash my hands and get out the antiseptic wipes (laughs) on the microphone. Sorry, John. All right, man. I don't even have my spit guard up either. So, you know, before we 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 want to do something about Pentecost. Is that okay, Matt? But that's great. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but I don't want to do the Pentecost story. You know the Pentecost story. They're all there in Jerusalem, and uh, there's a wind and tongues of fire, and the Spirit comes upon them. But I want to go back to where Jesus promised them that there was going to be a Pentecost day, and that's from John 14, if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's do that. Sounds good. All right. So let's set the context here. Uh, uh, did you preach on this, by the way, Matt? I, I will admit to you, this is actually uh, the text. Was it for last week? I think last week's gospel. Yeah, it's uh, it's been the text a, a couple of weeks, you know, John 14 itself, the chapter. Oh, so that's right. I yeah, preached yeah. on the, the first few verses of John 14. But now, uh, yeah, now in these latter verses, boy, it really gets into talk about the Holy Spirit. 
So well, let's start with the first verses then, uh, because so the context and actually this is from Monday Thursday. Yeah. If people want to know when he actually said it, it's Monday Thursday, and and of course the disciples, you know, they're having one of the greatest weeks of their lives. I mean, picture this: they they've come in to Jerusalem, surrounded by people shouting Hosanna. Uh, they saw Jesus go in on Monday and and literally turn the temple upside down, show everybody who's really in charge of what's going on, and then on Tuesday. Uh, Jesus debates every single power group there is, Sadducees, Pharisees, Herodians, and he wins every single debate. He makes them all look like a bunch of fools. Wednesday, they get a little break. They go off to Mary and Martha, uh, uh, you know, Lazarus' home there, take a little R&R. And you know they have got to be excited because they know something great is going to happen tomorrow. You know, they're counting their swords. They're high-fiving. They're arguing who's going to sit on the right and left of Jesus in his new kingdom. And, of course, they have no idea what Jesus knows, that if there's going to be sitting on the right and the left, it's going to be hanging from a cross. It's not going to be on some kind of glorious uh, earthly throne. Uh, and so Jesus has to kind of break the news to them. Uh, and that's what you have in John 14, Jesus breaking the news. So you want to read just the first few verses of John 14? Sure. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. All right, I think that that's enough. So what about these verses? What do you think about them, Matt? <clears throat> well, yeah, I think... Uh, Jesus is, is a, well, I think especially, you know, in light of what we just celebrated uh, not too long ago, Ascension Day, May the 21st this year. Uh, yeah, it, it, Jesus talks about he's going away. He's going to be going uh, to his father's side. Um, and he's going away with a purpose to prepare a place for, for them. And then I, I think that beautiful promise of his return. Uh, if I go, I will come uh, to take you to myself. What a beautiful promise that is. Um, and we look at that, I think, kind of uh, post Good Friday and after Easter Sunday and, and after the day of Pentecost. And we're like, oh, that makes sense. And that's Jesus' return. That's that's great. But for the, the disciples hearing this for the first time, uh, there in the upper room of Monday, Thursday, I think there's probably some confusion. In fact, uh, in the next verses, Thomas asks them, what are you talking about? Here? <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're confused by what's happening. And, and exactly because of what you said, John, you know, they're, they're thinking about earthly things still, uh, restoring the kingdom to Israel, all those things. Uh, they don't have their, their minds, their hearts set on heavenly things uh, like Jesus does. And, and I really like the fact you brought in the ascension, which happened just a week ago, Thursday, because I don't think Jesus' immediate concern in these verses, well, it is, <laughs> I take that back. So it is his immediate concern, the fact that that night he's going to be drug off and the next day he's going to be crucified. But that particular separation, uh, that will be short-lived, right? That's three days. Yep. And again, they're seeing Jesus. And, and he's saying, peace be unto you. And the Bible says that they were overjoyed, okay? Uh, but the bigger problem is just what you said. He's, 40 days later, he's going to ascend into heaven. And then he isn't coming back until he comes back at the end of the world. Uh, to bring them to the place he prepared. So you're right. Great, great word of comfort. You ever use this at a funeral, Matt? I got a, I got a suggestion for you because you're still active. Have you ever used this at a funeral, Matt? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I John 14 is one of my favorite texts for a funeral. I yeah. mean, you got that part there, which is, I think, wonderful. Uh, but then you also have that uh, those verses after that, you know, yep. I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Um, so, boy, yeah, I think they're great. 
So what do you got, John? What do you got? You got some funeral tips? What do you have for me? Well, no, I'm just saying, if, if, if for those, if any young pastors out there, this is a go-to text for funerals. <laughs> if, if you didn't know that, this is a great one to use. for Because again, it's that basic comfort that, that you know, our loved ones are gone, but we're going to be reunited with them. Why? Because of us? Oh, absolutely not. But because of the promises that Jesus has made, that he's prepared a place for them and prepared a place for us. Uh, uh, however, Let's go down a little bit further and okay. start reading at, um, oh man, where is it? It's in here somewhere, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, here it is, verse 15. Okay. Verse 15, if you'd start reading from there. Very good. And again, here's the context. He's trying to comfort the disciples in the fa face of the fact that he's going to ascend into heaven, that he's going to mm -hmm. be gone. So start reading. Just, in fact, just read one verse here, if you would, please. Okay. Uh, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, now, again, talking about comforting people, because that, that's what we're in the business of doing, Matt. That's, that's, that's what we do. We comfort people. Uh, it, it is a thing that weighs on you as a pastor. I hope people understand that most of our ministry is involved in, in being with people in times of sadness. Uh, there are some joys, baptisms, births, marriages, what have you. Uh, but... Um, those are there are the the, the 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 smaller of what we do, but have and, and, and as you've comforted someone, so you said you use those verses about I'm going to prepare a place. Have you ever given people commandments <laughs> in comforting them? Have you ever said, "Well, this is what you need to do"? <laughs> have you ever done that, Matt? Usually, not. that usually kind of backfires, John. <laughs> but I, I think that's a good point, though, because yeah, the the comfort isn't found in what we need to do; it's in what what Christ has done, what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, that's where the comfort's found in those promises. And, and yet Jesus here in his comforting words says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He, he gives them an, an, an exhortation. Um, and I was thinking that, that, that I can understand that. However, have you ever encountered anyone in your ministry that was so overwhelmed by grief that it was like they were just frozen in time? It was like they couldn't really get on with their lives. Did you ever encounter Most that, sure. Matt? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I suppose that's Jesus' concern, that the disciples are going to just keep looking up into heaven and say, oh, my God, where is he gone? What are we going to do now? Uh, and the fact of the matter, there's a reason Jesus goes into heaven and we stay here because we got stuff to do. <laughs> okay. And, and I think that's his reminder. Gentlemen, please don't be overwhelmed by your sorrow because you have something to do. And what is it? What is it, Matt? What does he say they're supposed to do? Yeah. Well, I, uh, just real quick, I, I think of, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, when you think of the ascension, that's what the angels say, right? Why are you staring up into the sky? Keep going. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So you send the whole spirit. It's not to do. <laughs> so it is a reality. That did happen to them and it can happen to us. Uh, but here's my problem. I think in my sinful flesh, when I hear these words in verse 15 of John 14, it sounds like Jesus is just saying, obey the commandments. You know, the same thing we had all along, sure. right? Even, even before Jesus, that's what Moses was saying, obey the commandments. But I want to point out to you, that's not at all what Jesus says, <laughs> okay? So first of all, rather than obey, what word does he use here, Matt? Keep. And you want to explain to us what the difference is between obedience and keeping? Well, <laughs> maybe you don't. Maybe you want me to. I'm the one that preached the sermon. I suppose I should do that. But I just wondered if you had any insights. Well, I think, you know, when, when you think of it in terms of, uh, you know, a, a child and a, a, a parent relationship, you know, yeah. to, to keep that, uh, to keep what 
your parents says to you um, is, you know, I, I think it's more than just uh, an, an obedience, right? You know, uh, yeah. there's more of a motivation there beyond just uh, this is something I should do or shouldn't do. I mean, that's, that's more obedience. Uh, to keep that, you know, seems to be a, a greater motivation behind it than just uh, a simple do this, don't do that. Well, and, and thank you. And I'm glad you brought up your children, uh, uh, Noah and Anna, right? Am I yeah, that's remember right. The name? Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, there will come a time when they get a little older and you're going to be thinking, when are they ever going to get out of the house? <laughs> How long are they going to be staying here? Uh, but at this point, you definitely like having them around, don't you, Matt? And Not in fact, it time. probably makes you a little sad. <laughs> To think about, <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> we don't want your family to hear that. Because, no, you want to keep them, don't you, Matt? Of you want them to be do. there. They're your beloved children. And, and that's the sense of the word keep. In fact, the, the Greek word there means to treasure, to guard, to hold fast. Uh, this is something significant. We don't want to give this up. We, uh, we, we filled a dumpster, in fact, multiple dumpsters full of stuff. When we moved uh, uh, last last May, but there were these other things that that I put in special boxes and put away in special places where they'd be safe. Like I, I found my my grandfather's art tools because my grandfather used to be a, a uh, uh, used to do pen and ink drawings, and I found his pens oh, cool. and, and and the the you know protractor or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what those tools are called. But I put them like in a sealed little box because no, that's precious. And I want to, so so that's the thing. Whatever this is, you're right. It's it, it isn't something less than obedience. I don't want to give that impression, but it's something way more. It's it's that whatever this thing is, it's something you want to hold on to and not give up. And then the second thing I notice, he doesn't say the commandments, but what does he say, Matt? My commandments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what's cool is that we know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, because if you go to John's uh, uh, first letter, and I believe it's in the second chapter, he says, you know, and I, I guess it's in the first chapter, he says, we know what the commandments of Jesus are, is that you would believe in him whom the Father sent, and, and you would love love your neighbor. And, and if you read the entirety of John 14, that is that is really emphasized. Uh, this, of course, is the text. Did you use this text? Did you use uh, this, this section uh, uh, on Monday, Thursday, the business about the washing of the feet. Did you use that, Matt? Yeah, we sure did. We did that this year. Um, yeah. And, and, and so there's where you get these beautiful words. I give you a new commandment, he says, that you would love one another. Uh, and in fact, in, in the uh, verses we just read, he talks about the fact, believe, you believe in God, believe in me, he says. See, those are the commandments. This is the thing we have to cherish and hold fast. The problem, however, is, Matt, is we cannot do that. <laughs> All right. We, we neither believe nor do we love the neighbor the way we should. Uh, certainly, I will confess that in all of the stuff we've had with my heart attack and the coronavirus. I've had many days when I thought, God, what in the world are you doing? And I didn't use the word world. Uh, I used another expletive that we won't use on air. And, and trust me, there have been a lot of times when I have neglected people that really needed my care uh, at this point, which is why we get the second part 
All right. So it's okay for Jesus to come and remind us, hey, people, I got something for you to do. That's that's why I left you here. I could have taken you home with me if I wanted. But no, I left you here because you need to believe in me and you, you need to love your neighbor. And so he makes this beautiful promise in verse 16, if you wouldn't mind reading that. In sure. fact, read verse 16 and 17. Jesus goes on, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, so this is the verse that concerns us on this Pentecost weekend, because that's what he says, right? This is going to be the spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit. But you will notice he has another name for him here. Did, did you catch that, Matt? Yeah, helper in verse 16. Yeah, so you you, you have anything you'd like, like to comment on that that particular term, helper? Well, yeah, so that, that's the, the Greek word paraclete. I know that one, paraclete. So, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. What? You're, what? You're wrong. What? Yes, yes. Well, see, see, now, now, before I worked on this, I would have said exactly what you said. But but actually, the word isn't paraclete; it's paracletus. Paracletus. Okay, and what what is the difference between paracletus? Well, there isn't, there isn't any difference. <laughs> I just wanted. To, I'm a curmudgeon. Let's see, did I say that right? Curmudgeon. I'm a curmudgeon, and so I I, I needed to be crabby. <laughs> no, no. So so seriously, because that's what I always said too. The paraclete, the paraclete, and then I'm reading it. And it says Pericletus. I thought, well, what, what? And in fact, my daughter-in-law, she calls me up after hearing the sermon because, of course, you know, this is all our sermons are now on the internet now. This is what, that's what you're doing, isn't it, Matt? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah. So, so people all over the world can hear the stupid things. Well, we've been doing that with wrestling the basics, so it's nothing new. For quite a while. <laughs> Far from the yeah. But, but that's what she calls me up and says. I always heard it was Pericles. And I said, well, I did too, <laughs> but it's not what it says. And so I did a little research and paraclete is actually the Latin. It's the Latin. So that would have come from the old Latin translation of the Bible, paraclete, which of course is, that's how we do things in the church. We, we have nocturnitises and, and stuff, the Gloria in excelsis, you know, we, we, we have all the Latin phrases. Uh, and I think what's interesting is, Matt, is so how did the Latin translate Pericletus? They, they didn't. <laughs> they just Latinized it. They just made it Periclete. But there you have a little bit of trivia <laughs> that you can impress your friends <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah. I'll get out my Vulgate and uh, impress yeah, my there friends. You go. Get out your Vulgate. I don't think I would have ever heard anyone say that. <laughs> but so anyway, so what is the Periclete? What's well, that mean? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I think that you know, the important part is, yeah, whether it's a Pericles, Pericletos, um, it, helper, comforter. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit has different facets, right? And I think one yeah. of the facets that, that Jesus points out here within the context of the upper room and everything that's about to take place with his arrest, I think that's interesting that the, the facet that he chooses to highlight is that of comforter and helper um, for the disciples, especially during this time. And and see, here's the reason. Here's why when you're you're writing the Vulgate and you're trying to translate the Greek into English, you, you see the word Pericletus and you say, well, okay, we wouldn't say it that way. We'll say Periclete. But you don't try to translate it because it's hard to know what that word means. You're right. It has translated comforter. It has translated helper. Uh, other translations translate it uh, counselor. You, you'll find that. 
Uh, and of course, we're wondering, well, what, which is it? And, and you're right. Many facets. I love that phrase that you use. It's all of those things. That That's the thing. In fact, this is the greatest word, this Pericletus or Periclete, because John's the only one that uses it. This is like a word that John handpicked to try to help us understand why it is that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, because indeed, yeah, that's what you need, a helper, a counselor. You need all of those things. But here's the other crazy thing. Did you notice that Jesus says, I will send you another, another helper, which implies what, Matt? Well, that, that even Jesus himself could be considered our helper. Yeah. So it's not like we didn't have a paraclete. We did. We do. But now the problem is what happened to that paraclete? He ascended into heaven. Uh, he's still with us. He's still with us. I'm with you always, he says, till the end of the age. But not the way he used to be. Not where you could get up and he could make breakfast for you. Not where he could feed you and 5,000 people. Not where he could heal the sick. He's not in that position anymore. But he said, I am going to send someone who will be with you, which, by the way, is the essence of the word paraclete. The first part of that Greek word para means to be with, to be with. And, and that's the emphasis here. We are not orphans, he says later on in the text. You're not alone. We need to know that. We do have, indeed, the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that that that, uh, uh, that reference to Jesus as the paraclete, that again comes only from John, uh, from John's letter. And he says, you know, if you sin, and I don't want you to sin, he says. No, I'm not telling you to sin. But if you do sin, guess what? You have a paraclete with the Father who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, and, and of course, that is usually translated then advocate. So we have yet another variation on that. Uh, he is also the one that advocates for us. Now, in our last couple of minutes, I got one final thing I need to share with you about the paraclete, paracletus. Okay. And this comes from my uh, son-in-law, Tim. I, I've got bright in-laws. <laughs> I got bright kids too. Well, maybe it's just because, you know, when you're as dumb as me, it makes everybody else look really smart. <laughs> but but he he pointed out that while this this noun, this paracletus, the paraclete, is used only by John, the verb, which would be paracleto or something like that, I don't know. I can't pronounce English. Don't expect me to pronounce Greek. Uh, that's used all over the place by all of the uh, 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 Bible authors. And do you know what the verb means, how it's translated? How is it translated, John? It means to call someone to your side. And it's used two ways. It's used of people who are calling upon Jesus to come and help him. Remember that, that uh, Roman centurion that wanted Jesus to come and, and heal his servant? Oh, no, not that one. I'm sorry, because he said, you can't come to me. Uh, but it was the, the other one who wanted Jesus to come and heal his daughter. He says, you you come, come paracolado or whatever, you come and be with me. Uh, and then it's the other thing, though. It, it's what Jesus says he'll do for us, that he'll come and, and be with us. And in fact, I think of that passage in Romans where Paul says, when, when we don't know what to say, don't worry because the Holy Spirit's going to pray for you with words that are beyond humor and utterance. So it's that 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 cool idea that the, the, the business here is that coming together to be to be called to someone's side, uh, and, and the Spirit moves us to do that. 
uh, to God and to say, God, we want you to be with us. Come here and be down to our side. And then the Spirit also, through the Scripture, does that to us. Says, come and, and be by the side of God. Come, uh, parakaleo, be with, call, calls us with. That's literally what the word means, to be with, called, para, with, and kaleo, to call. And so I just thought, what a, what a beautiful description of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's doing right now, even through wacky guys like Matt and me. He's just calling you to come and be with him. And you can do the same thing. He invites you to call out for him to come and be with you. Well, thank you, Matt, for letting me share with you some insights about what uh, happens on Pentecost. Uh, you got any final thoughts here as we wrap up? No, I think that's great. I think the uh, especially during this time of pandemic, boy, uh, for that facet of the Holy Spirit, that comforter, that helper, and Jesus himself is that comforter and helper, the yeah. one who's at uh, our side. What a, what a word of comfort for us. And what are you doing next week, Matt? Next week, we're going to uh, join Paul in Athens. All right. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics.